Hello, hello. Welcome back to Leading Women in Tech. It's Tony here, your career bestie. And oh my goodness me, we are halfway through January already. Where has the time gone? Wow. I cannot believe we're like a couple of weeks already into 2022. Actually, it feels like Christmas was a year ago in my head. That's how crazy my life is. But wow, what a week the last 11 days have been. Over the last week, I've been talking to a group of women through the Success Path Planning Workshop. And it's all about planning out 2022. And we've had so much fun. It's a free workshop. And actually, side note, if you didn't attend, the recordings are still actually available. You can get them in YouTube, on my YouTube channel, or head over to the Leading Women in Tech Slack community. Link in the show notes. It's free to join. Just head on over. And for the next seven days, uh, the recordings are still going to be there. You can join on in. It's completely free. But we dove into what's really, really important for us this year. What do we want to achieve personally like that might be personal professional goals or it might be just personal goals whatever it is it's about taking back our personal planning and allowing that to have a front seat rather than being on the back seat so seriously exciting stuff coming from some of those ladies everything from a landing their first leadership role through to becoming a svp for the first time this year uh, somebody else is trying to finish off their phd putting in place a plan of action for that oh it's just seriously exciting stuff which is actually what brought me to today's topic, because it's all well and good having those great plans. But all too often, we then find that nothing happens. Now, my planning process allows you to hopefully build the tools, techniques that you need in order to ensure that happens. But one key element of that is building habits. So today, I want to talk about the power of habits in achieving our goals, in particular, how to build habits that actually stick, whatever those habits are, and also potentially breaking some unhealthy habits that aren't serving you. Because this is also a leadership podcast, I want you to realize that habits are also how you thrive as a leader, right? <laughs> Whether it's the habit that allows you to get to and maintain inbox zero, that's one of the things I'm building right now. I used to be really good at that, fell off the bandwagon. It's back in place with a newly free fresh process for 2022 to the habit for deep work, something I am such a strong believer in. I've been doing deep work now for years. I work extensively with a lot of my clients and building deep work into their work day because it's a work habit that is super important for you. It also serves you on the personal development side in that, for example, if you're writing a book that's not to do with work or you need to apply for jobs this year, you need your resume, you need your LinkedIn profile, you need to improve your interview technique, that all requires deep work to be done really, really well. So it's it's super important to understand how habits really serve us. So that's what we're discussing today. But just a quick announcement first, other than making sure you are in the planning challenge while the videos are still live, we finished the actual challenge. I won't be in there helping anyone anymore, but you can still watch all the trainings for free until the end of this week. Head over to the Leading Women in Tech Slack community, a link in the show notes, as I already said, if you want to do that. But the more important announcement is doors are open to Lit Up Leadership Academy, but places are already running down and they are very limited this time around. So if you know that career development, whether that's up-leveling your leadership skills or landing that next job or promotion, if that's your priority this year, then make sure you check out all the details on the academy at tonycollis.com forward slash academy. Again, link in the show notes. This really is the one-stop shop for leadership career development, not just the leadership skills and not just how to land the next job, but both of them. <laughs> I bring it all together because they are so heavily interrelated. How you 
function as a leader has a massive impact on what needs to go in your resume, how you interview, all of those things. They aren't done in one era and not in the other. They are interrelated. So I cover both and I hope you understand at any point in your career, what do you need to be focusing on, which is why as soon as you join, you'll get the opportunity to go through my three seasons training where you will identify the season of your career that you're in right now and figure out what do I need to be doing to accelerate faster and be more content without actually doing more work in the season that I'm in. But most of us don't even have that clarity of what well, I'm in a season, there's a thing, there's a difference between being where I am in a comfy job and looking for the next role other than putting together my resume. Yes, there's a huge difference in my love. So if that sounds good to you, go check out tonycollis.com forward slash academy. Remember, you can join for as little as a month. It is a membership program and means you can cancel at any time. But without further ado, let's dig into habit building and crucially, building habits that stick. You're listening to the Leading Woman in Tech podcast, where we talk about real leadership and what this means for the world of tech, the techniques, tips, and strategies you can use to become a standout leader. I'm your host, Tony Collis, tech leadership coach, strategist, and coffee lover. And in each episode, I share my best insights designed to make your success not just simple, but inevitable. Whether you're on the way to the C-suite, an emerging leader, or a budding entrepreneur, this is the podcast you need to become a lit-up leader and turn your tech passion into a career you love. It's worth taking a note here that 40 to 45% of the actions we take each day are habits. There are the obvious habits such as checking your cell phone several times a day. That is a habit. Getting up, that's a habit. Eating, that's a habit. Driving a car, yes, you can't drive if it's not a habit. Can you remember how hard it was to learn to drive where every particular action, like put my foot down on the accelerator, put my foot down, move it over, put my foot down on the brake. If you drive stick like I learned to drive, you know, like the actual function of taking your foot off the accelerator, putting your foot on the clutch and changing gear, it was really hard work and you got exhausted but now it's easy. That's muscle memory. It's actually a habit. Yes, really. All of these are habits. Exercise, brushing teeth. There's even turning up to meetings rather than failing to. Using your calendar to manage when you open Zoom. That's I function by my calendar. If my calendar tells me to do something, I obey. (laughs) That is a habit. Even the habit which I know many of you struggle with, but I fully advocate, which is the full-on time blocking in your calendar, where you say, okay, I'm going to do my to-do items based on what my calendar tells me. All of that is habits. We also have the unhealthy habits, such as sweet and salty snacks or, or junk food. It's all, all of this stuff is super, super important. Imagine if instead of thinking about what next and making a conscious decision on whether I'm going to do deep work now, I'm going to work on my inbox, I'm going to go into Slack, clearing my desk, you simply sat down and knew exactly what to do because it was a habit. That's what we're talking about here. Now, we all have good and bad habits, and part of what we want to do is also break the bad ones. Like maybe a healthy habit is exercising, but a bad one is junk food, right? They're the obvious ones. And actually, I want to talk you a little bit through one of the habits I brought into my life last year, which I hadn't actually anticipated doing, but it's a good illustration of the process I'm going to take you through today. It is the fact that today, right now, in 2022, I now basically cook two to three times a day without fail. Now, I work from home, so I have the luxury of being able to do that. 
But I am now regularly cooking homemade healthy meals. And I deliberately use the word healthy here because here's the story behind this. I haven't really talked about this very much on the podcast before, but in February 2021, I went on a five-month elimination diet. Now, this is not your standard diet. It's not about restricting calories or anything like that. But in case you don't know this, the short version is I my asthma was really, really bad 12 months ago. And I had tried everything that my doctors could think of and nothing was working. I was taking so many inhalers. I tried lots of different ones. Some of them were giving me really nasty side effects and nothing was working. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I just need to do something. And quite a lot of my family, both my husband, but also my genetic family, my mother and my siblings have dietary problems. And I know that a lot of health things are often related to food, whether it's a full-on allergy, food intolerance, or it's just some things disagree or agree with us better. There is a strong correlation and there's no one size fits all. It's not like everybody on the planet should eliminate wheat, even though there's a big movement on that. Some people really need wheat in their diet because it's really good for their gut health. So I was just like, okay, I, I need to do something. So elimination diet it was. I've done a lot of reading on this. I've been thinking about it for about six months. I was like, okay, I am done with this. I want to feel better. It was sort of a last ditch attempt to improve things. And oh my goodness, has it. The change has been phenomenal in me. I'm not going to go into that today, but I am breathing easier. I feel so much healthier. I actually lost weight and realized that some of what was going on was causing me to gain weight. And it just it's, it's just been an incredible journey for me. But ultimately, it came down to that really strong motivator. I want to be able to breathe more freely. Like I was wheezing like an old lady. Like It was crazy. <laughs> and the upside has been I now cook all the time. And the reason why that happened is because it was really restrictive, right? The foods I was allowed to eat, particularly in the first month, was extremely restricted. And there was nothing I could buy from a supermarket that would make sure that none of that stuff had came in. I couldn't go and get takeaway or a ready meal from a grocery store. Everything had to be home cooked, right? Because I had to have complete control over what went in my mouth. And ideally, like everything needed to be fresh as well to make sure that it, they had the most positive impact on being an antioxidant for me and that meant that I had to cook all the time and it was perfect that this happened during a lockdown period here in the UK because I think I would have really struggled not going out to restaurants having takeaways we still like really having takeaways at that point which we were allowed to do during lockdown but we didn't actually have takeaway for an entire five months <laughs> And guess what? I now cook much more healthy meals more regularly. The entire process reset my habits around cooking. I used to cook quite a lot. And something that I lost in my 30s, probably because of all the business travel I was doing in my early 30s. But now again, today, home cooking is normal. And because I work from home and my husband works from home, it's generally two or three meals a day that are actually home cooked. I stopped having breakfast cereals, which I realized are really not very good for me, for example. And as a bonus, I have not been healthier than this in a, I can't remember the last time I was this healthy, which is quite something to say in my late 30s, right? That's the power of a habit. Now, I didn't set out to do this from the point of view of building home cooking as a habit, but it's illustrative of what needs to happen. There needs to be a commitment to an initial routine, a need I needed to eat, um, as well as having a why, which is I really wanted to feel healthier. Um, I desperately wanted to breathe more easily. And that kept me going. I'll admit that also having somebody doing it with me. So my husband did this with me. He didn't need to from a health perspective. 
Although actually, he's decided it really helped his health too, but he wasn't motivated in the same way I was. He was more motivated because I'd been talking about this for such a long time and I was struggling to do it. So he was like, okay, let's do this together. Because the idea of cooking food for him, because he's not a cook, he would have just eaten junk food for six months, <laughs> to be brutally honest. And the idea of that just like filled me with horror. So he did it with me and we found loads of wonderful new recipes together. He got into cooking as well. He's not quite as much as a cook as I am, but really got into it and that having somebody doing it with me which I'm going to explain in a minute why that's so important just kept me going and it was really hard like not having coffee was super hard I love the stuff even though these days I primarily drink decaffeinated coffee it's not the caffeine I just love the taste of coffee and there were days when I'd be like, oh gosh, I'll just, I'll just have a coffee. And he'd be like, no, we're so close now. We've only got to reintroduce another four things. And I'm like, okay, I'll stick out this. <laughs> and he, you know, he didn't have anywhere near as many temptations as I did. I think it was harder for me, but it just, it really helped keep me on track. So today I want to share with you how to put in place your own habit like this. But being more intentional than I was, it was a lovely side benefit that I now have this habit of healthy cooking built into my daily routines it's like a daily ritual for me uh, but I want you to be really intentional and actually decide what habits are going to work for you and what unconscious behaviors because that's what habits are are going to send you in the right direction to achieve the plans that hopefully you've got by doing your plan for the year so the first thing I'm going to advocate is looking at your current habits both good and bad because awareness is incredibly important here you have to see what you do every day. You have to observe it. You have to understand what's really going on. So for one week, I want you to write down all your behaviors. I don't want you to change anything. I just want you to observe. Ideally without judgment, because then we tend to change accidentally without in that intention, right? So I do this with time tracking too. It's very easy when you time track to change your behavior. And sometimes that's a really good thing. Other times when you're just trying to gather data about like, well, how much time do I actually spend procrastinating? Because that is an important thing to do. Procrastination is necessary. You want to do this without judgment. So just write down for one week, like, what do you do? What are all those behaviors? Be super honest with yourself. What do you do each and every day that's serving you or not serving you? Because then at the end, you're going to ask that question. What is, isn't serving you? Or do you not like, what do you like? Think about how you want them to be different. At the end of that week, ask that question, how do I want things to be different? Now, I really want you to remember th small steps here before you dive on in and be like, oh my God, I, I need to exercise more. I need to exercise for an hour a day, but I don't exercise right now. Like that's going to be super hard. So don't just like dive on in, stick with me because I want you to remember the power of 1% a day. That's 30% a year. Think about it. If you wanted to build a meditation habit, start with three minutes a day do that for a couple of weeks you broke the habit of oh gosh this is hard to do and then you can stop up in upping the time same with reading a lot of people think oh my gosh I really want to read every day and they start with I'm going to spend 30 or 60 minutes reading and they fall off the bandwagon in a couple of days for good reason that's a hard thing to do it's like if you've got to build a muscle right for all of these exercises you've got to build a muscle even if it's meditation or reading it's a muscle that you have to train and build you wouldn't expect to walk out after sitting on the couch for a year and run a marathon. No, same thing with all of these habits. So make it as small as possible. I know somebody who she wanted to build a gym habit. She literally put her gym clothes by the side of her bed every night, put them on and drove to the gym, walked in the gym and walked back out again for a month. She didn't let herself 
do any exercise. She just knew that as soon as she did that, she would overwork herself and then she'd feel crappy the next day and she wouldn't do it again the next day. She just wanted to build the habit of, I get up and I go to the gym. I get up, I go to the gym. I get up, I go to the gym. And she broke down that initial impediment because for her, that was the biggest one. She paid for her gym membership for that month where she did it. And then suddenly it was like, okay, that one's gone. And then she started building in the exercise. And again, she started with like five minutes. I think she did five minutes on just one particular thing. She didn't like do variety or anything. It was just five minutes on one thing to build that habit, to really make it stick and and remove the impediments. So I really want you to keep that in mind as we continue through what's going to help you build habits. Because if you just dive on in and be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to write for an hour a day. I'm on this book I'm going to write. (laughs) I can promise you, you're going to fail. Well, I can't promise, but nine times out of 10, maybe nine to nine times out of 100, you're likely to fail if you just do that. Okay. So I really want you to have a think about like, what would I like to be different? And like small chunks on that, small chunks. Okay. If you hear nothing else, that's one thing to hear today. I then want you to take a look back at your plan for the year and see how the habits you'd like to build, those ones you've just identified and the ones you want to break will help you achieve your goals. What habits could help you achieve those goals? Maybe you want to write a book. So this year, a habit you want to build is getting up earlier to write for 30 minutes a day. That's actually two habits, getting up earlier and writing. And actually, there might be a third habit because maybe a bad habit is what I have is staying up too late. I'm totally bad at staying up too late. So you've got to build it. You've got to figure out which habits it is are going to serve your goals. This is super important. I'm going to talk in a minute about motivations and all this sort of thing. But like have the habits linked to what you're trying to achieve. Maybe it's getting to and staying at inbox zero. Why is that important to you? How is that going to help you achieve your goals this year? Maybe it's not answering emails immediately or turning off Slack for large chunks of the day so you can do more deep work. What is that going to help you achieve this year? Maybe you want to land a new job this quarter. Woohoo! So you need a habit that puts you in the work for preparing your resume, your LinkedIn profile, honing that interview training. Side note, we do all of that inside Little Leadership Academy, by the way. <laughs> and maybe you therefore need to create a habit that's to spend 15 minutes a day learning in the academy or one hour learning a week, right? Maybe that's the habit that's going to support you landing your new job. You know what you're planning for. You need to reverse engineer the habit. Whatever it is, write down the habits that are going to help you achieve your number one personal goal. And I deliberately want you to focus on just one goal here. You should notice if you've been in the planning challenge, if you've ever done any form of planning with me, if you've ever been coached by me, you know I talk about your number one ruthless priority, whether it's at work or at home. One priority. You can only do one thing at once, okay? And as a side note, I highly advocate implementing a regular check-in with your goals. We all know the feeling we get in the new year where it feels like a fresh new start. Woo! Well, it's worth getting that feeling multiple times a year, okay? Rather than just having it once a year, running your goals and then wondering what happened to them in December, okay? Personally, I like quarterly or seasonal planning. Take your pick which one you like, seasonal, quarterly. And so I have prompts. I actually put these in my calendar to go and revisit my plan. Now I have a paper planner because I'm a paper planner, even though I have an electronic task management system, okay? And so I have something in my calendar, which is electronic, to go and check my planning. I actually put a half day in my calendar once a quarter, which is dedicated to my quarterly planning. I actually do also a whole day annual planning, but that's a different kettle of fish, right? And this is the chance also to check in on habits you've built. 
evaluate whether they've been formed, if they're serving you, are they achieving that desired change that the habit should be driving? The danger is to set and forget goals that are very common at this time of year, which we never achieve. So I want you to create a habit right now to do a regular check-in. Okay, so if you've listened to all that and taken it all in at this point, you should have a list of habits that are aligned with your number one priority for this quarter, right? Now, you all know I love The One Thing Process by Gary Keller. If you've not read that book, The One Thing, go find it, go read it. It's great. It's a quick read, a couple of hours, Sunday afternoon, you're done. I want you to use that framework and ask the question, what one habit out of this list will make everything else irrelevant or easier? You should also have asked yourself that question when you were deciding what your number one priority was. So now do it with your habits. Your goal is to find the one habit or if it is a nest of habits, like I described, you know, maybe you want to write in the mornings or work on your resume in the morning. So you need to get up earlier, which means you also need to go to bed earlier. There's three habits there. There's the going to bed, there's the getting up, and there's a writing, right? So you're allowed a nest of habits, but even then you might want to treat it a little bit like the gym habit of that lady I talked about, where she literally did like going to the gym. There she had to get up, get her clothes on, get gym clothes on, that is, and go to the gym. So it was already a nested habit. She just didn't include the other hard habit, which was exercising, right? She broke down the two hard stages of actually getting there and exercising. She split those two up. So you can have a series of nested habits, that's okay. But if there are a couple of really hard things there, like actually getting in the car and actually exercising, or if, for example, you know you're going to struggle to get up early and then write, maybe you need to start with the getting up early, get that in place, and then start writing. I know you're probably super impatient and in a rush, but remember you have the rest of your life to build these habits, okay? The rest of your life. So take your time, one at a time, or one nested group at a time, if you can. And if you find that you fall off the bandwagon within a couple of days, go back, do a reset, and figure out one at a time. From there, we need to find the process for implementing the habit. For this, I turn to what I first learned watching a TEDx talk actually many years ago. I had to go find it when I was preparing for this episode. It's by Professor Zoe Chance. She's a professor at the Yale School of Management and Research's Decision Making. But she gave a TEDx talk back in 2013 on how to make a behavior addictive. And it's quite a cool video. Go watch it. Go find it. It's a, it's a good one to watch. But in her TED talk, she talked about how for a behavior to become addictive, such as checking our cell phones, which is um, one thing that we've all become used to, right? We need it to fulfill three out of five human needs. Those human needs were first described by Tony Robbins, and they are, number one, the desire to feel we are important, the center of attention. So for example, this might be as simple as attending a group meeting at work and speaking up. The center of attention can also be a group thing. So um, one of the things that Professor Chance talks about is flash mobs being addictive. Even though you're part of a larger group, you as a group are a center of attention. Number two is certainty. This comes in many forms from knowing that when you turn the steering wheel of a car, it will turn left or right, depending on what you do. That's certainty. You, the habit is going to be certain. To doing something with a group that makes you feel insured of a certain outcome. A lot of games become addictive because of this certainty. You do an action and you get a point, you get a reward, you plant a tree, you, you know, get gold, whatever it is the game does, right? You do something. And actually, there are a lot of games out there that are actually quite fundamentally boring, but they're addictive because they have this certainty. Do a thing, you get a thing. You do a thing, you get a thing. It is predictable. How many times you do this thing, you will get the same thing out. 
which then brings us to number three, which is the opposite, you would think. Uncertainty is also a human need. It's actually about the need for variety in the spice of life. And actually, Professor Chance gives an interesting example here, which is the rat experiments where they press a paddle and they get treats. Actually, if you make it such that the treats are unpredictable when they'll show up, they go like frenzy on it. They just press, press, press. That would be like having a game on your phone where, you know, at random, maybe like a 10% chance of you getting a reward if you do this thing. You get addicted to doing the thing because like, am I going to get the reward this time? Variety is the spice of life. We like a little bit of unpredictability. So it's odd that it's there alongside the certainty. We need both. And you can actually have both for the same habit, believe it or not. So for example, if you are doing a flash mob, the certainty of the fact that you're all going to turn up and do this thing but it's also the uncertainty you providing unpredictability to the people that you're going to be doing this in front of, right? You can have them in two different ways. It's, it's an interesting one. For many of the habits I am thinking of creating, uncertainty is quite hard to bring in. So it's it becomes easier to think about this in terms of like, could you create yourself a random number generator that does something? Number four is connection. We need to feel connection. Actually, here, Professor Chance also talks about how drug addicts also have connections, something we think of as them not having because they tend to lose friends and family in the most extreme cases, which is heartbreaking. But they do have a very strong connection to their dealer or someone else associated in supporting the habit, which is fascinating, right? Could you find that in a habit you want to build? So, for example, with my elimination diet, I had that strong connection with my husband. He was doing it alongside me. I know I provide that connection for a lot of my clients as their coach. And I also offer accountability partnerships inside the academy for precisely this reason. Some people hate accountability partners. Others love them. They want to have somebody going through it with them. And then the fifth and final human need is growth. You need to feel like you're making progress on something every day. This is where the elimination diet was really hard because it felt like we weren't making progress I didn't like suddenly get better. It actually took me about two months to feel quite a lot better, whereas most people apparently feel better in a couple of weeks. I didn't feel it that extreme, but it was when I started bringing stuff in, I was like, oh my gosh, actually, I don't feel well here. This is where apps are really powerful for building habits. So all those apps that get you to do 10,000 steps a day, you do a streak of seven days, you get a little medal. I have a toothbrush that's a smart toothbrush and the app gives me medals when I brush twice a day for however long. Like I just keep getting more medals because I just brush twice a day. Like who wouldn't, right? But it's kind of like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> Even though I've been brushing twice a day for as long as I can remember. So it's like, huh, interesting. So whatever habit it is that you've decided you want to build this year, remember that you need to deliver on at least three out of those five. One, feeling important. Two, certainty. Three, uncertainty. Four, connection. And five, growth. So let's take a common New Year's habit desire, such as waking up early to achieve a particular thing. I've just talked about that a little bit here. For what it's worth, I am planning to get into writing. It's not the habit I'm building right now, but it is a habit I'm aiming to build in Q1. So let's talk about like, how does this feel? How important does it feel? Number one, well, what is the activity? It's writing a book. Great. Tap into how you want to feel when you've written it. Maybe you're going to release snippets to an audience or somebody who is actually going to be excited about what you're writing. So for me, 
I quite often will tell my clients about like what I've written. Um, I started writing this book a while back and at the time I was writing, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I've just been talking about that in the book I'm writing. And it gave me that sense of accomplishment, that sense of importance. My clients needed me. Maybe you could do something like that if you are getting up early to write or something around that. Maybe you're getting up early to exercise more or to work on your resume. What is it that you could do? Maybe it's going to make you feel more confident. Maybe with the resume, you are going to feel important because you're going to get more people interested in you when you have a great resume out there, right? Whatever it is, make sure you get out there with a feeling of importance if you can. It's not always possible, but see if you can. Okay, for number two, certainty. This one's quite a bit easier. If you wake up every day and write for 10 minutes, you will write a couple of pages a week. There is suddenly certainty in that, right? You're doing something, you're going to get a return on that investment. Similarly, if you exercise once a day for a month, you will be fitter at the end of it, believe it or not. (laughs) Might not feel like it in the moment, but you will be. The key here is tracking. This is what games do for us. They give us a score. They give us gold. They plant a tree. I don't know why I keep saying plant trees. I came across something recently that planted trees if you did something, right? So we want to track. We want to create ourselves a scorecard. Actually, in the planner that the Success Path Planning Workshop attendees got, there is a quarterly scorecard quite deliberately it's only quarterly but it's quite deliberately there to show you your progress and make sure that you are aligning your priorities based on the areas you want to work on so set up some sort of tracker that shows you you are making improvements and giving you that certainty on the improvements of achieving those results number three that need for variety and certainty this is quite hard if it's a regular routine thing as i already mentioned but maybe for exercise you have a random number generator on your phone that says do this type of exercise today. Maybe you have three things. You have yoga, running or weights, but you use a random number generator to decide what it is. Maybe that would be a fun thing for you. Whatever it is you want to, if you can, find a way to introduce something unexpected into this new routine. Routine plus unexpected. Awkward, right? (laughs) Number four, connection. This is where the accountability piece really comes in, as I've already hinted at. Find someone who's going to get up early with you. Maybe they're online crazy early in the morning for a writing session. I actually have a friend who gets up at 5am every day to work on a particular project. And she has another friend who is like five states away who also gets up and they do an hour on Zoom together every morning before their husbands get up. That's not my cup of tea, but for some of us, that is exactly what we want. Maybe it's community. Maybe you need to join the Lit Up Leadership Academy. Just going to say that. (laughs) Maybe it's like me and my husband with the elimination diet. Whatever it is, find that connection piece. And finally, number five is growth, of course. This is where the tracker that I mentioned in the uncertainty piece is key. So quite often, if you can do certainty, you can also do the growth because you can start tracking that progress. Whether it's that you're fitter or you've written however many pages in a month, track that progress and remind yourself of it regularly. So that's a set of examples there, right? Hopefully it shows you the way to pick up your habit, focus on it, and then do the actions that are actually going to make it happen. But remember, you need three out of those five. I've shown you some examples of how to get each of those ones. They don't always all apply. As I mentioned, for a lot of the kind of things we're talking about, that variety and uncertainty is tricky, but not impossible. And then I want you to build yourself a regular check-in. Check-ins, whether they are your to-do list, your emails, your habits, whatever that is, fundamental to success is tracking. 
Let's not let your goals or habits be a set and forget this year. Make checking in with them regularly your first habit you build. You will thank me later in the year, I promise you. And if you plan to join the Academy, I'd be honored to help you identify and set your habits and make sure they're aligned with the personalized professional development plan, which is the first thing you will tackle inside the Academy to set you up for success. Okay, let's finish up with, as always, the Leadership Mindset Moment. In case you're new around here, a Leadership Mindset Moment is an actionable tip to help you adjust how you act or think to make it easier to up-level so you can take more positive action on the topic of today's podcast. And today we're talking self-awareness. Self-awareness is making a conscious choice to consciously process. Most of the time we're unconsciously processing, which is a very powerful thing. You know that I am a strong believer in that unconscious processing to solve problems, right? It's super important. It's why you shouldn't work crazy hours. It actually damages your productivity because you don't have the energy or momentum for unconscious processing. But if you've ever driven somewhere and not remembered your journey, you have the traditional habit situation going on. The act of driving is a habit, but you're quite often unaware. This is normal, right? As I said, 40 to 45% of what we do is habit. But with habit building, and particularly healthy, productive habit building, you benefit from continually asking the question of whether your behavior is aligned with who you want to be. The exercise I mentioned right at the beginning of the show. Now, meditation is part of the process here, potentially. But what if you could train yourself to better notice opportunities to grow all day long? Meditation can play a part in that, but it's not the only one. This is where I believe we all need to focus on more all of the time. It is a leadership trait that is fundamental to success. You can't be an extraordinary leader without that self-awareness. And as I said, it's not something that's on all the time. It's not a given. In fact, most people are very unself-aware, okay? One thing I offer many of my clients is regular awareness prompts, like if it's suitable to where we're trying to grow them at any particular time. These are tailored to their needs, such as the leadership awareness. I will set a prompt for the end of the workday, which is what went well, what didn't go well, what do you wish you'd done on differently. And that really helps them up level. But the key thing here is that it is about training your brain to regularly look for things. So what I want you to try and do here is to give yourself a prompt three times a day because that's going to start training your brain to notice it more in the moment. It's about always bringing it earlier and sooner and being more on the ball that develops your art of self-awareness. And I want you to create a pop-up on your phone or some prompt in some way. Maybe you have a sticky note that you always look at when you get up from your desk, whatever it is. Something that is going to pop up and ask you, how's my day going? Are my habits serving me? Then I want you to take a moment to reflect. If you do it as you leave the room, maybe take that moment to reflect as you make yourself a cup of tea. And the first thing you do when you sit back down is write those notes down. Then once a week, collect those notes together and see what you need to update in your habit building process. Okay, that's it for today's episode. If you love this, do not forget, doors are open to Lit Up Leadership Academy and I would be honoured to welcome you inside and help you achieve everything you are setting out to achieve this year. It is my absolute honour to help women in tech. I think every single one of you is extraordinary and my gift to the movement that is the need for more women in tech is the Academy. It's what I wish I'd had as a woman in tech. But until next time, remember, stay on your tech leisure game, follow your dreams, because the world really does need you and your uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech.
If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out how to get more of my help and some free resources. It's where I take what I talk about in this podcast and really help you apply it. Hop on over to tonycollis.com and check out Work With Tony and free resources in the menu bar. Until next time, this was Tony Collis on the Leading Woman in Tech podcast.